Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Cannabis Legalization News. Uh, today, we have Vivian McPeak joining us. Thank you so much for stopping by. Can you introduce yourself to the audience and give a brief bio? My name is Vivian McPeak. I um, have spent the last 25 years as the exec- executive director of Seattle Hemp Fest. And uh, I am right now... Uh, Recently, the managing editor of Skunk Magazine, um, and I had this crazy podcast that I do once in a while as well. Wow, busy guy. Yeah. So, uh, what's uh, what's the name of the podcast? My podcast is called Hemp Present. Hemp Present uh, is that uh, is it on video? Because we do ours on YouTube, and then we we strip it, and then we put it into the podcast first. I have such a radio face. Ah, uh, you do uh, that. That my show is yeah. just the audio. Okay. Which means, you know, people can put their, train their eyes on something else. Right on. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. What type of stuff do you talk about on Hemp Present? Oh, man, the whole gambit, you know. Uh, of course, uh, talk about cannabis reform and uh, medical, mer- medical cannabis and uh, industrial hemp and industry stuff. But I also kind of break out uh, to kind of do ancillary things like counterculture icons who are still alive and stuff yes. and things that are kind of you know, can gently uh, associated with the cannabis culture and whatnot. So it's kind of fun. I kind of not very boxed in. I kind of get to do whatever I want. Are you going through like your own personal Rolodex? Because I imagine you, a man who's been fighting for cannabis for over 20 years, has quite the, from Woody Harrelson to, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Greenspoon. I, um, I did exhaust my Rolodex uh, at first. Yeah. Yes. That's like the first year. If you go back and look at the first year of my show, that's pretty much my entire Rolodex. Um, And then I kind of branch it out. And I've been fortunate. I got about six publicists uh, that I work with that handle cannabis people who have been, I've just kind of been lucky, you know, and uh, over, I've kind of like building that over time. And so I used to have to go, oh God, and chase people down. Hey man, you know, I do this podcast. And now fortunately my inbox, you know, I've got stuff coming in. I just, just interviewed, um, uh, Salvador Santana, Carlos Santana's oh, son, right. for example, and um, uh, Niambe Tosh, uh, uh, Peter Tosh's daughter, and nice. stuff like that. So it's, it's it's been kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, Just get it and, and you know, the more the more podcasts, the better. It's about alternative media, and mm. it's about us taking control of the narrative, yeah. which is something that the cannabis movement yeah. has needed since time immemorial. That's one of the reasons why Miggy and I got started was because. This industry is complex, it's overregulated, but poorly understood, and it's hard to get information. And so uh, I wanted to start helpful information regarding the industry and educating people because so many people want to get in. Have you noticed uh, your uh, involvement in the industry over the past, because since COVID, like, how's that affected your business? Oh, well, business size, it's been devastating. Uh, Business-wise, I mean, uh, you know, pretty, pretty brutal. Frankly, you yeah. know, I mean, my business is Seattle Hemp Fest. Uh, this is our 30th year. We haven't had an event uh, in, since 2019 uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, about five months ago, we lost our store and offices, uh, Hemp Fest Central, which we've had for eight years, right? Because um, we were shuttered, right? And had no income coming in, no revenue coming in from any source. Um, it's It's been pretty devastating, frankly. Yeah. And, and uh you know, there's not going to be a hemp fest this winter. Um, you know, we can't produce the event in three months. It takes us all year to do it. And there's other things too uh, that have, that have impacted hemp fests 
both business model and also our just operating model. You know, we're yeah. a volunteer staffed event. You know, we have to fill uh, at one point it was a thousand, but the last several years about 700 staff shirts with volunteers. Mm. Um, with also a hundred person volunteer uh, core group. And, you know, COVID's impacted everybody directly. Yeah. I mean, who has escaped the impact? It's not named Jeff Bezos or something. You know? right. Right. Um, and prices now of everything are skyrocketing. I mean, life's just hard for everybody. Um, so there's a lot of dynamics that we're dealing with. Um, and having the rug pulled out from us yeah. in 2020, uh, about by June, it was about June when it was obvious that there wasn't going to be a possibility to have yeah. 100,000 person events, right? Mm -hmm. uh, being being stopped halfway through the production year really wounded us financially. If it had happened in Ju in January with our business model, we would have been in pretty good shape. But you know, having the rug pulled under us halfway through the production year, yeah. we were yeah. already on the line for quite a lot of money, and so we're in we're in a real pickle. And right. our goal is our goal is to come back strong in twenty twenty, uh, but that's that's going to require you know some. Some earth moving, yeah. You, well, especially a voluntary program. I mean, that's the pandemic's really that's what hurts you because you can't come out and give your time and you know. Be well, a, yeah, people are people are hurting economically, yeah. right? Everybody's trying to survive. Yeah. You know, rents are up. Um, every the price of everything's going up right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people relocated. You know, and we have a large group, and the change alone just on every level. Mm. I mean, we even had five people die last year you oh, know, yeah. from our organization because we have such a big group, you know. Yeah. And and when you do something like Seattle Hemp Fest, you know, you need people who are trained and dependable uh, and and professional. You know, you yeah. need volunteers that really know what's going on because you're responsible for 100,000 people's safety and just the complexity of the nuts and bolts of the logistics of Hemp Fest is yeah really challenging and so even our, our absolute best it was everything we had to pull that thing off seamlessly which we did for 28 consecutive events yeah. uh, i'll say and our our uh, our stats for we've never had a serious injury accident arrest at hemp fest which i think is almost miraculous yeah. considering yeah. the potential that we have there and everything um but it's it's a big job throwing that and if you can't do it right you better not do it yeah you know 30 years should have been a, a big anniversary. The first time I had a booth at HempFest was the 25th anniversary, 2015, I think, at, at the Space Needle. Kind of a big a big deal. This should be just as equally, you know, monumentous. And yet you're not able to have the event. The pandemic kind of shuttered a lot of things. And at the same time, I think there's a lot of lessons. You know, you've, you've learned a lot. And maybe with that, there's there's advice or there's maybe things that you would do differently, kind of something, a topic that we're kind of focusing on with this tour is what, what would you do differently? What have you learned and what advice do you have going through? I'd like to maybe unpack what happened with HempFest. There's, you know, boycott Expedia. There's all of these other things that, that caused it pre-pandemic to really limit your ability to generate revenue and hold an event. Yes. And, and I think with that, there's a lot to learn whether it's a cannabis cafe in the East coast that's trying to open up or, you know, hemp fest itself. Like maybe there's some people that, that are listening that have uh, resources or I don't know, but I think ultimately we'd like to know what did you learn? What would you do differently? Any advice? Wow. You know, first of all, you nailed it. 
Josh, you just just nailed it right there um, that there were already things happening that were making the economics of HempFest extremely challenging. Um, and just to, to, to preface all this to say that some people are like, oh, you're still doing HempFest? Is that even necessary anymore? Isn't it legal? Which infuriates me, of course, because I know it's not legal. It's federally illegal. And there's people right now in jails and prisons, right? And, and regulated, not legal. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes. It's, it's, I call it commoditization, mm -hmm. right? It's been commoditized, um, but it hasn't really been what I consider legalized. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the semantics of the word legalization are so complex these days. I don't even use the word much anymore. Uh, I try to use the word, you know, equality, okay. you know, like equality. With, but, but I don't want to digress on all that stuff. The biggest thing that happened before the pandemic that wounded us economically is uh, the state passing a uh, restrictive, we believe, unconstitutional advertising law mm. that prevents businesses, like, 502 businesses, from right. advertising events mm -hmm. like Hempfest. Yeah. And before that happened, we would get to December 31st and have $200,000 in the bank uh, after everything had been paid, right? And that's why we had Hempfest Central, the store and offices. And, we, and finally, after decades of being a 100% volunteer organization, we actually got up to four people on salary Damn. at one point, right? And uh, and for eight years, we had our store and offices, our little hemp boutique with offices in back. Uh, and because previous to that, everything was kind of going through my house, right? And not just my house, but a bunch of people's houses, right? We were completely decentralized. And there's a point where doing a three quarters of a million dollar event out of your houses is just really complex wow. you know yeah uh, unless you all live together mm -hmm. so so that happened and and that really hurt us because we went from two hundred thousand dollars at the end of the year to a thousand dollars at the end and that's you know you're chewing your nails yeah. right but they they changed the law yeah. to effectively strip out industry participation yes yeah Yes. That is cold. Who else is going to advertise at HempFest? Well, but then again, it's it's the point of showcasing the industry and having a show about it in the partnership because the laws aren't perfect. Case in point, that one. Yeah. They have a commercial speech right to be able to go and, and, and get a booth at a section. I have no idea, but they do this all the time. Like you look at a different state, they always restrict the commercial speech of the cannabis company. And then but Budweiser ago, has the bleachers. Maybe even less after. than two days ago, the United Nations came out uh, calling for a global yeah. boycott of cannabis advertising. Yeah. And and we have, I want to say that our lawyers agree with you yeah. that, that this shouldn't be legal. We have right now in appeals court a legal challenge against the state of Washington, a constitution, constitutional legal challenge saying that we believe that the advertising restrictions are um, unconstitutional, arbitrary, right? Yeah. Um, and and you know we feel pretty confident that we have a winning case on that. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, but yes, it's 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 kind of baffling, you know, because that is um, a part of a business's free speech. Mm -hmm. no, that's correct. Well, and I also think, to your credit, most people don't know about Hempfest. Like like you said, you had no deaths, no arrests, no severe. And all this time, it's because you also use that money to pay for your own security, your own training for medical personnel. Like you have, like you're saying, the volunteers for professional. Like all the time, I, I, I volunteer there. You know, like you ask people who have real job experiences and real labor experiences out there, and they come. And and like you, we talked about before, like people better than you are there doing the job, and they all just seem to come to help Hempfest at once. And the the state hindering you like that really. 
appreciate you putting that out, Miggy, very much because, you know, there are what I believe a lot of what I call pot concerts going on that call themselves hemp fest. And I don't Mm. consider them hemp fest because we have a community values model. You know, we have Seattle hemp fest has done things that no other pot rally in the world care to even think about to try to be the most socially responsible. event. we rent extra heart defibrillators and have them placed throughout the event because it's long and thin and packed. I don't know of another, I mean, a, a pot event who even knows probably what AED means, right? Yeah. Which is the medical term uh, for uh, a heart defibrillator. Uh, we have stop the bleed kits on our stages um, in case, God forbid, you know, there would be some kind of a catastrophic injury. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're like the Eagle Scouts. We have the, the canvas. We have our own yeah. trained safety patrol. Yeah. You know, that's their internal security, which is why there's very few police in the event. They're actually outside of the event. We actually had the surreal experience several years ago where you had to contact the police and go, could you like come through the event once in a while and show your presence? We have 100,000 people in here and <laughs> we kind of help us out if yeah. you would have a presence, right? right? And we're just like, is this really happening? I'm really asking the cops to come into our pot rally. Please help us. But, oh you know, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people there. But, and but statistically, if you got 100,000 people, you probably have some murderers. Yeah. You, know, you have thieves. You have- Especially in this industry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then, um, so was there a permit? Did you have a, a permit from the city to be able to have the cannabis event? How does that work? Wow, yes. Multiple. <laughs> Multiple. And, and, and we're talking about one year of negotiation uh, with the Seattle Special Events Committee and the Parks Department um, at the minimum, right? And the Port of Seattle and the Olympic Sculpture Park uh, because we're on three different parcels of land. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing with three different entities, right? That all have their pet peeves. But yes, we have to go to these meetings uh, uh, in, with the city uh, that have this huge giant table that's the size of this room, a big square mm-hmm. uh, collection of tables with about 20 departments uh, from the city and, and plus the LCB, which has started oh to come the last few years, which is a whole nother. We could probably do a whole show on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the regulators, the liquor and cannabis board. Right. Yes, yes, the, yes. The liquor and cannabis board. Um, and every one of them has to sign off on every nano uh, particle of our 150 pages of plans. You know, our we have a, a, public, a safety plan and a, a evacuation plan and a parking plan. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and... And we have traditionally gotten the permit literally the night before the event on the last couple of years, um, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and the permit's 75 pages long, by the way. Oh, wow. Right, with all the things that you have to do. And, well, you know, this is something that the people that are tuning in, a lot of people call and they want to do cannabis events or they want to do a consumption lounge business model. You've been uh, dealing with a cannabis event for decades. What uh, advice would you give to some startup entrepreneur that's like, I'm going to have a cannabis event in Illinois or New Jersey or New York, Virginia? And include maybe the difficulties of having corporate um, uh, authority or authorization, rather, in order to have the event. Sure. And I can approach both your questions kind of at the, at the same time. And the first thing I want to say is, is, is what have you learned? And the number one overarching uh, truth that I've learned doing 30 years of Seattle Hempfest is politics trumps the law. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, if they want to bust you, you're done. If they don't want to bust you, they don't bust you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, Hempfest is in one of the most liberal cities in America. 
right? It, which is why we got grandfathered in, first of all. If you tried to start an event with 100,000 people with smoke and pot, it would never happen, right? But yeah. we kind of started slow. And because we were in this tremendously permissive, progressive city, I believe that's one of the only reasons that Hempfest was able to get to the point, you know, yeah. that, that we got. If you tried to do that in, you know, I don't know, Mississippi or something like that, um, it never would have flown, right? So politics trumps the law. And, and what I mean, and so you can unpack that in a lot of ways, right? Don't, my advice is don't assume that you have enemies with anybody off the bat, number one. Number two, don't make enemies where you don't have them. Don't be cocky. Don't say a bunch of crazy stuff on the media and accuse people of stuff and things like that. Try to fly under the radar and try to be, try to, to really address their legitimate concerns up front. There's legitimate concerns, security, sanitation, parking. I mean, these are very legitimate concerns. Remember that these people are doing their job, even if they don't like you, even if there's a cultural barrier, which there would be in, you know, some places, um, they have a job to do as well and respect that, right? Yeah. And and take that stuff seriously, you know. Uh, are you going to have a big event? Well, you better have some first aid, man. I've been to events and they don't have any first aid. Some they don't even have water. I'm like, did you guys think I have some water? You know, there's people with heat exhaustion, you know, and they were just in to make some money, right? They just... Hey, we got some vendors, you know, we booked, uh, you know, uh, some awesome pot bands. We have Los Marijuanos, you know, a Red Man or something like that. Um, and that's it, right? They're just yeah. out to kind of have a, a what I call a pot concert and make some money. Yeah. Or you can have a community values event that's educational um, and where you put public safety as your number one priority. And our number one goal at HempFest is not to legalize cannabis. Our number one goal is that nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I've had a saying for years, if nobody's hurt, if we're not busted and the money's not missing, it's not a crisis. Right. It's a situation yeah. and we can deal with it. Though so that's my definition of a crisis is one of those three things. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's my, my first um, piece of advice is come at it professionally and responsibly um, because that's 50 percent of it right there. Yeah. You know, if you got that stuff nailed down. Yeah. Now it's going to be harder for them to prevent you from having an event because one thing we've learned with COVID, which is the second rule of thumb, I would say that I've learned is that the only thing that trumps, and I hate to use that word, but <laughs> in the lack of a better word, the only thing that overcomes free speech is public safety. Mm. Right. And so, you know, there's only there's only two ways that they can stop a free speech event that I from from my perspective, actually. Number one is public safety, which means have it nailed, you know, have it wired and don't screw up. Right. Number two, price you out of existence. Yeah. Well, you can have your event. We're not denying your free speech event. Oh, we would never think of doing that. But you got to supply this and this and this. You got to provide this and this and this. And you got to jump to this, this. You know what I mean? And who took out the money on the, the corporate sponsorship? Was that local or was that a state uh, law that they passed? Oh, that's a state legislature uh, 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 passed that. So then the state comes in and just cuts off. Proactively, funds. yes. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. And, and you know why? Oh, the children and this kind of stuff, yeah. right? But I can think right now of a very popular, uh, like, 40-year street fair that happens in seattle that has the red hook stage with giant 12 foot 
banners of beer bottles on both sides directly across from the, the beer garden. Is this the Budweiser bleachers? <laughs> directly across from the beer garden where people are drinking beer in full view of children yeah. walking by everywhere, right? And somehow that's okay, but we can't let, oh, the children see the marijuana right. images, right? Um, which is why, to me, I'm not for legalization anymore. I'm for equality. Mm. I want equality with the alcohol, tobacco, mm. uh, industries, etc. Yeah. Right. We should be able to do the same things that they can do. We were just talking about that outside yeah. before you showed up. And if yep. you can, if you can, in Washington State, brew your own alcohol, or you know, twenty thousand gallons of spirits or whatever, yeah. then you should be able to grow your own cannabis. It's equality. That's my mm. new word. Yeah. You know, legalization means different things to different people. Mm. How many bars are in Seattle? <laughs> Two that have Budweiser, they have these just in the window, right? They got right. Budweiser shit, yeah, right? Corona stuff. Right? Oh, this yeah. is on the internet. Yeah, we're good. As long as you don't curse too much, you don't get flagged. But they will still flag us for the subject matter, despite the subject matter being really important <laughs> yeah. to the fundamental concepts of America. We will still be flagged. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. But I know. I, I just the other day I walked by a bar. That had tables out on the patio, up I mean, right next to the sidewalk, mm -hmm. with just like a little, um, you know, velvet rope, like they yep. have in a theater, separating the the sidewalk, um, and with people sitting there drinking beer right in front of me. It's a magic rope, though. It makes you sleep. Yes, right. Yeah. So if they can do that, then why couldn't they be uh, doing some edibles or vaping yeah. or whatever, right? Okay, exactly. smoking pot creates a bunch of smoke. Okay, whatever, non-issue to me, but I can understand. Yeah. Makes some people uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is if I would want my child to be exposed to cannabis way before I saw them exposed to tobacco and alcohol use. Yeah. We have a 25 foot rule here in Seattle that you can't smoke a cigarette 25 feet from the entrance of a business. Has anybody ever enforced that anywhere? Yeah. I mean, every Never. single day no. I no. see employees sitting right next right. to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're, you've always talked about like the permit situation because I know People don't understand for such a big event that you your negotiations start pretty much the day after you're you're done wrapping up the first event. Um, but you always talk about how like you get the the authorization last bit for the most part. And I know like we're in this liberal paradise nirvana, but for the most part, do you feel like it's the Seattle administration that's against you sometimes? It seems like they want a nickel and dime where you think they would embrace it because you bring in a hundred thousand people to the city. Who do buy drinks and food and, and, and spend in the city? You know, you you're part of. I think you help like with the the the, the cruise ship industry. You know, they, these things bring in money, and you should embrace these things, not try and nickel and dime the the organization itself. Do you feel that the Seattle administration's against you somehow? I would say yes and no. Yeah. Um. First of all, we did a we contracted a economic impact statement in 2014 with a professor at the University of Washington that estimated that we bring in $7.1 million into King County mm. over the, the, the course of HempFest and that we supported like 120 jobs or something yeah. like that, right? Um, so yeah, you don't bring 100,000 people and people from other states and some people from other countries without them spending money, right? Yeah. Um, so that's there's that, right? And then all of the fencing and you know we're, we're, we're spending oh God, yes. three quarters of a million dollars regionally, you know, locally yeah. with all these companies and stuff. Um, but there are... When you're dealing with the city, you're dealing with not just a monolithic entity, right? You're dealing with all these various departments and agencies and stuff. And some of them, I think, are more supportive than others, mm. you know? And some individuals are more supportive than others. Because there's, you know, with cannabis, there's still and will be for the rest of our lifetimes a cultural divide. Yeah. But someday that'll be gone. 
you know, like very uh, impressed with how fast stuff's moved, though. Yeah. Like the concepts of what's right, you know, what's okay and acceptable 20 years ago is different now. And and so it's going to be completely different. How once, did that right? I don't know. But then, like, <laughs> with, maybe, maybe. But we've also seen a cancel culture. There's been online, there's been, you know, issues with political or things that, uh, you know, cannabis, for example, has been deleted from Instagram and Facebook and everything. You know, forever, YouTube, right? Now. Yep. And there's still a lot of of corporations that are pushing back on this inevitable legalization. Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges you had with some companies that don't enjoy what you're doing with Hempfest. Sure, I'll preface I'll preface that to say that we always believe that if we could just stay along long enough, we could rely on mainstream advertising. Yeah, right. That someday. You know, Key Bank or Kia Cars or something right. is going to come in because we have a you have a hundred thousand people. That's a million dollar demographic for con, or millions for a conventional event. Mm-hmm. But you know, Hempfest is different. But yes, we uh, Hempfest is down on Merlitters Park on the Puget Sound, uh, which is you know arguably downtown Seattle on the waterfront. And we were for years adjacent to the Amgen complex. You know, our event literally ended right up against the Amgen pharmaceutical complex, which was a a high security complex, Mm. right? Um, And they were great to work with. Believe it or not, Amgen, or uh, yeah, was was really easy to work with. And then Expedia bought it several years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we always thought, wow, Expedia, didn't they start with sort of by deadheads, right? You know, wow, that should be cool, right? (laughs) Not so. Mm -hmm. Um, But was it started by deadheads? That's what I understood. It, yes. Uh, but, but, check. But, we'll but, fact yeah. check that they one later. <laughs> they sold it. Right? Yeah, they made their money. Um, so, not only did Expedia buy the facility, but somehow they bought the road, the the the, the service road, mm. which is the back end road into Seattle Hempfest, into the the, the the Centennial Park, right? Which was a city road, right? Um, but it was called Amgen Bay. Right, which means there was an easement that was done oh. with Amgen, and I'm not a, 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 a you know real estate attorney, so I find all that stuff you know uh, confusing for me. Um, but somehow they, 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 they Expedia was able to buy that road, and that's the back road that we've loaded in you know an insane amount of infrastructure to avoid yes. the, the clusterfuck, I guess I can say, of Alaskan and Broad, right? Which yeah. is the front entrance of Hempfest, which is, you know, a, a traffic nightmare on a good day God, yes. um, with, you know, a massive in, interruption of business, commerce and all kinds of stuff if you're doing a Hempfest. And so, you know, Expedia came in and immediately said, uh, well, you know, anybody else can use that road except Hempfest. Right. Yeah. And we're just like, what? Wait a minute. You know, first of all, what do you mean we can't use a road that we've been using for 25 yeah. years? Yeah. Uh, well, we're having a bit of construction and everything, and it'll be disruptive, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was a nightmare yeah. for us. We even had them to, and so, you know, we tried to do our usual thing of like, hey, you know, let's work together, you know. Yeah. Let's meet, and we can figure this out, you know, and to our mutual interests and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. Expedia is just like, mm-hmm. you know, to us. Mm-hmm. And, and so they were like, hey. We have people traveling from all over the world to Hempfest and stuff. Let's, what a great opportunity for Expedia, yeah. right? To 
get your brand out right and you just like talk to the hand right yeah, yeah. they're like not on your life and so mm -hmm. then we're like our lawyers were like look we can figure everything else out coming from the south end even though it's a massive nightmare wow. and it's going to cost us a bunch of money and it's going to even more piss off the downtown waterfront yes. businesses but we have no way to bring the music in there's no way to bring the bands in from that way that won't work because everything else comes in before him fest okay. and then it's there and then it leaves after him fest yeah but the bands are coming in all day every day to multiple stages oh my god right and once you have him fest going our permit you can't have a vehicle enter him fest once you open right yeah. we got golf carts in there moving around mm -hmm. uh but there's no vehicles which means we can't bring in band equipment right yeah uh, and stuff during oh well God. yeah i mean just their gear Drum right kits, yeah yeah oh and God. you know if you ever ask a musician to come in at six in the morning for their gig at 2 p.m you know i mean that's just not workable <laughs> yeah. oh so we're like we had to negotiate with expedia with our lawyers saying you got to let us at least bring in you know our bands oh my God. you know what they said mm. they finally said well you can bring in six vehicles a day or per hour and if you bring in, if if a seventh one shows up, it's going to cost uh, $250 for the first one, da, 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 oh going God. up to $2,500 a vehicle. Fine. Wow. Right? Yeah. And we're like, what? You know? And I don't know how much our legal team would like me saying all of this publicly. And <laughs> the rare chance there's another hip fest down there with Expedia. Um, but so, yes, you know. And, and let me just say that that's not the first time that we've had to have an issue with our neighbors. Yeah. Um, I have gone and given presentations with the Queen Anne uh, uh, Community Council, the Waterfront Business Association. You know, I, I could go on yeah. and met them and said, hey, my name is Vinny Peak. Here I am. Let me hear your issues. You know, uh, here's a one sheet for the, the things that, that we believe we're doing to mitigate what we believe your issues are. Right whether it's, you know, trash and things like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and we have had to tangle several times. Um, I guess I could continue the, my dumpster fire of talking about businesses that we work with a little bit because I assume they won't be listening. Yeah. Um, the Edgewater Hotel. Oh, no. Right? The famous Edgewater. Yeah. The Beatles, you know, fished off of and, and stuff. Uh, they went to the city with, and there, by the way, the Edgewater's packed. You can't rent a room in the yeah. Edgewater for the week the Hempfest is happening, right? Yeah. Um, they sent the city pictures of here's a glass pipe that was left in one of our elevators. Oh, yeah. Here's a sign, <laughs> a sign that someone left in our lobby. We don't want these kind of people oh, as boarders. Here's vomit in the parking lot. They actually had a picture of vomit in the parking lot. You it know, must be a pothead that did that. Yeah, and we're, like, like, and we're like, wait a minute, you had three wedding receptions that day. Yeah, oh my god, that same day. Why is it? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and then we had, you know, uh, uh I, I think I forget what business it was down. On on Elliot, um, call us up, you know, because we 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 instituted this thing on our website, a community impact uh, yeah. form. You know, immediately if you have a problem, you know, you know, fill out this form during Hempfest, you know, well, and right there we'll be reviewing it, we'll deal with it. So we got this thing saying there's there's all kinds of food and stuff in front of my business, you know, <laughs> and this is a business that's like a mile down oh, no. from Hempfest, 
And so we actually dropped everything, sent somebody down there, seven French fries on the sidewalk. What? Right. So this oh is the kind of thing God. that we put up with. Yeah. Right? Wow. Um, and if you're hemp fest, your trash stinks worse than everybody yeah. else's. We're like, well, you know, what about Fourth of July, you know, or something like that. So you, you know, got do you see a lot of extra fees there along with their, the things that you're going through? Oh, because, we have to pay. Yeah. One of our permit requirements is that we pay the downtown and ambassadors, I think what they're called, but the guys that clean the streets, we have to pay to have them clean all the way down uh, Elliott, Alaskan way, like way down, you know, practically oh, to Pioneer Square was one of the requirements. From, beyond from, where uh, Way beyond where we know that we have yeah. impact. Yeah. It's, that's pretty good. It's like a pay to play thing, yeah. right? So my advice well, if they're for anybody, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying my advice is proactively go to the police department, proactively go to the health department, proactively go to the surrounding businesses and say, hey, here we are. This is what we plan to do. No. What are what are your concerns? Yeah. Right. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're. Sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission in some situations, right? Yeah. So it's delicate, and you might go, God, I wish you had never asked that. Um, but you're going to have to deal with it anyway. Yeah. Go there before, establish a relationship. It's a lot harder to hate somebody whose face and name you know and who has tried to open up a dialogue with you, yeah. right? And it won't make anything any worse, right? They won't hate you anymore because you went and, and tried to address their issues, right? Yeah. In the early days of Hempfest, we had our first biggest Hempfest at Gasworks Park in 94. About 15,000 people. It shut down Wallingford. There were people that couldn't get to their homes. Uh, the traffic was so bad that they couldn't make it to their house. They had to park woo. blocks away and walk, right? It was a real problem. <laughs> and so we maxed out Gasworks in one year. And so the city's like, hey, you have to come to the special. You have to be a special event now, right? And we're like, what's that? You know, oh, and that's a whole different like level of event with all these different requirements. And you have to come to a special events committee meeting. Oh, yeah. That was in 94. It was the first one that we went to. We've yeah. been a special event ever since then. And that's up in the seventh floor of the Muni building in the city attorney's office. And, you know, and we had been throwing out joints from the stage, live plants on the stage and stuff, right? And we're just like, oh, what? You know, the city attorney's office, and we were petrified. You know, we were like, are they going to pull out pictures, you know, about yeah. us breaking along and stuff? You know, we just didn't know what to expect. Oh, my God. But I put together a one sheet, right? I said, okay, what are their issues going to be? It's going to be sanitation. It's going to be security. It's going to be parking you know, and stuff. Yeah. So I put out a one sheet that addressed, you know, had bullet points of what we were going to do, what our plans were, porta potties. We have this many porta potties, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, our parking can handle here and our security is going to be handled by this and that. Um, and so we get there and it's this table, you know, with all the things. And, and, and Virginia Swanson was the chair, a real intense person, man, love her to death, but man, is she intense. And professional she's like well vivian i guess i'll allow you to make your initial presentation oh well thank you <laughs> this might be the first uh, cannabis license issued by uh, any government you know in the history of the history but well except for but that's not a cannabis license what does irv rosenfeld have that's a prescription because there is that federal yes, program he's got a federal for, prescription for cannabis right but, but that's not that's this not a license the, uh, this uh, is a here's license. what i would yeah. i would agree with this Republic. is probably the first special event permit issued to a cannabis yeah, yeah. in the country right yeah, yeah, and so i'm like well virginia as you know we've never been before the committee and don't know what the proper protocols are but i've taken the liberty yeah. to put together a brief one sheet that i believe uh addresses the concerns and i passed it out right and to my amazement 
she went around the room and like the fire departments well no no this is this 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 covers it for us this is good you know and parks is like no 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 this yeah this is good and it was the police she got to the police and he goes this is completely unacceptable and and you know we, we're gonna have to have a subcommittee meeting and all this stuff and and you know and and, and that it was only the police that that weren't happy with you know what wow. i put together and and so we had the subcommittee meeting and the captain at the time and i remember he was so agitated his face was beat red and he had this even my my partner who's with me said did you see the vein pumping, oh pumping in his soul and i go yeah i did and he's like this is going to blow our entire budget and she's like this is a one the, the special events chair from the parks department was like this is a, a first amendment protected free speech event that's not their problem yeah right we'll address that after the meeting right i'm like whoa you know whoa. she just really shut down the captain the yeah, police. That's great. and so he's like well you're going to need to have 300 licensed and bonded uh, security people right and so we came back and said well how about 50 q patrol and that was the queer patrol oh, on no. capitol hill yeah. at the time right that it sprung up because of the, the beatings oh, and stuff, yeah, right? yeah. and 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 he's like well the queer patrol uh well they're not qualified uh, to do that I go well that's interesting since you the city has licensed them to patrol three mm. city parks oh right yeah uh and they're just like mm -hmm. and then uh -huh. guess what we got nice we got 50 q patrol yeah. as our security oh, yeah. right oh, that is a yeah. great yeah. moment in weed history right there <laughs> Actually, uh, i forgot about them because there yeah there was those beatings up on uh, broadway and they're like the guardian angels except yeah. cool right, right? Yeah. and they didn't they did not deal with drugs or anything like that they had berets you know and, uh -huh. and radios and stuff right. and, yeah. and so for the first maybe i think two maybe three years our security was the the Q Patrol, right? Right, and they were great people to work with. Totally professional. Yeah, people think of Seattle as a super liberal area, but I remember in the early '90s that you would see Nazi skinheads walking yes. up on Broadway, proud, like yes. the Proud Boys. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it wasn't, you know, like that's that's where the beatings happened. That's where they needed the protection. And now it's so liberal. Like if you see a Nazi, you're like, what the hell is that guy doing? Remember it's that kind of Nazi odd. got punched in the face not long ago? Yeah, yeah. Downtown, that's right? what I mean. Yeah. Like that type of uh, the how far we've gone. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to be in another twenty years. If they, the if the the amount of acceptance can be that 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 large, but yeah. people are going to have to change their opinion on something they've had for a while. Weed is bad. Okay, like that's it's just evil. It's that is toxic. I hate its smell. I mean, like they're just prejudiced against it. Hopefully yeah. that drops off as it becomes more prevalent and we actually discuss the realities of it. Because you talk about equality between alcohol and cannabis, uh, they aren't equal. Alcohol is substantially worse for you uh, if you look at any measure of science. And so I just hope that we can get to that level. I mean, I, I think it's, a, it's night and day from Nazis to complete liberals in 20 years, but uh, from abject prejudice toward the plant and no understanding to understanding it and being like, oh yeah, it's weed. I think it's a generational thing. Yeah. I think it's literally a matter of, of a handful of years until the generation uh, that the last generation that was brainwashed is gone yeah. or, or, or is not a factor anymore. Mm -hmm. right? right. Maybe, maybe not gone, but, but Retired no longer. Yes, exactly. Decision-making. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. By the way, you mentioned that very briefly. Uh, when we started him best 30 years ago, uh, we had to deal with all these, you have to go to the bank and you've got to go to the, you know, try to open up a bank account, boy, what's the name oh, of the bank? Shell Hempfest. Right. Wow. The eyes narrow. They see, they look at each other, right? They give them the look, right? You know, look back at you. Um, and, and we had to go get a permit from this agency and this agency. Right. Um, and initially 
these people were older than us and they were all from the old guard right and they're like you know any druggies came in here with this thing huh this drug fest right and you could just tell and then slowly over time those people retired and and we're still going right and they're replaced by somebody else who's younger right because that's how it works right and then finally we got to a point where you know the parks department person idea that we had to deal with is like the new the new guy and keep in mind he's new to the job we've been doing this for mm-hmm. decades yeah. right so sometimes we're like telling them where how it's going to be but he's like oh man hip fest i went to i was 15 with red locks when i went to my first hip fest vivian man yeah really great to meet you right oh and then i'm like oh my god we have outlived you know wow. we have been around so long that the whole thing's changed and now you go to the bank and this you know middle-aged like oh hempfest has it happened yet have i missed it oh right and it's like when you're saying things are changing and it's like night and day and all and then legalization well then 502 happened (laughs) (laughs) and now it's like legitimized right and so now it's even more different right and so people like oh man you guys did it this kind of thing right where before it was like oh you know huh really you know the druggies are here that's right and so it's it's happening you know it's happening so what is Hempfest going to look like is there with myrtle edwards park not being a legit a a feasible uh workaround with expedient blocking your access where are you going to go or how do you restart because essentially you're in the same position a lot of other uh event planners are of, of starting you're going to have to restart mm-hmm. uh, what does that look like what's the future of of Hempfest? well i'm not going to go as far as to say that myrtle Park park's no longer viable because we pulled off that event mm-hmm. yeah. in t- 2019 yeah. with expedia there right by the way expedia got savaged by the covid pandemic right oh, yeah. travel yeah. company yeah. right mm-hmm. Hubris and, 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 and they're having fall. they're having some issues, and I just I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, Karma, <laughs> but um, we don't. Yeah, the problem with Hempfest, you know, is that there's no other there's no other venue in Seattle that can accommodate it. Yeah, and and there's a, a multi pronged criteria, and that starts with does public transit go to it? Is there parking in the surrounding area? Uh, there is, is there an existing perimeter? already pre-existing perimeter for a hundred thousand person event because fencing something like that is yeah. insane and what have you and minimal business and residential impact right yeah. and you know we've looked at a lot of places we had several meetings with seattle center wouldn't have us right yeah. oh we've got children events happening here and stuff like well like you have beer fest really beer fest right <laughs> And we're like, whatever, you know. It's not like we're <laughs> weed fest. <laughs> we're at least calling ourselves hemp. Yeah. Um, and we met with the the you know people from Magnuson uh, Park community, yeah. you know, the Magnuson Neighborhood Council or whatever it's called. I forget it was so long ago, right? Yeah. And Magnuson posed a lot of problems. One thing you have to bus everybody in. There's oh, not geez. parking. Yeah. You know, remember mm-hmm. that little jam thing they did there? They oh. had to bus everybody in. It broke down. It was a disaster. Yeah. Um, and at Magnuson, there's environmental concerns they've got marshland and stuff there and and, uh um and and a lot of just weird like little hanky areas that people could walk off and there'd be no way to see them what they're doing and stuff which is something we think about you know Mm -hmm. um 
and and there's just no other venue inside of Seattle that can handle Seattle Hemp Fest. So that's been an issue for a long time for us. Um, sure. And, and man, if there was, we'd go there because Merle Edwards is logistically very challenging for us. And as you all know, there's water on one side with rocks, oh, and there's a fence with a railroad track on the other side, and it's 1.3 miles long. Yeah. Right. And it. It was a little better once the bridge came in, the Thomas Street footbridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. That allowed us a little bit of an escape hatch right in the middle. Um, but it's just a challenging location. It's a huge venue, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there have been the idea that that maybe would bring it outside of the city of Seattle and make it the Washington State Hemp Fest or the Great American yeah. Hemp Fest or who knows what, right? Yeah. Just Hemp Fest. I don't, I don't think you're competing against anyone else at all. I mean, like, we, we got, got lots first of islands the biggest. we can rent. Oh, we, 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 there are a lot of hemp fests, right? Um, but we do have a trademark on the term hemp yeah. fest. We have a federal trademark on, on the term, so that's that's actually a viable concept. Um, and and um, yeah, so you know we haven't we haven't canceled out Myrtle Edwards Park. No. It is hallowed ground. There is about seven or eight of our former staff members whose ashes are spread yeah. on Myrtle Edwards Park, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's legal or not, but <laughs> there's other things that are yeah. legal that have happened there. So, um, so it's a very sacred place to us. It's yeah. a gem of a place. It I mean, is. it's right. I mean, how you can't beat the view, man. Yeah. The ambiance, the environment. Correct. Um, everything just kind of blows away and it's gone yeah. real fast, you know. Um, but that's a big unknown. Um, <clears throat> that's that's a big unknown. Uh, and, and and you know, I mean, there are places far outside of Seattle. You know, people go to the gorge, <clears throat> you know, people go to events <clears throat> that are that are hours away. Um, so as, as an entity, are you guys still meeting then? So is HempFest the core people still meeting? So oh, yeah. Every month. Okay. The, the core group of Seattle HempFest has met every month since 1998 okay. with, without failing a month. The nice. board of directors meets every month or every or bi-monthly okay. uh, since 1999. Oh. Uh, and it's all Zoom now, right? We've been doing the Zoom meetings and stuff for quite a while, of course, like everybody yeah. else. Um, but yeah, we've never missed we've never missed a meeting in all that time. We're still coming together. Um, we're, we're still talking. It's been it's been stressful. I mean, yeah, stressful. Well, let's wrap this up with uh, yeah. maybe the most interesting podcast interview you've done. So we've talked a lot about HempFest, but with your interviews, is there a interview you've done uh, that is is memorable or interesting that you liked or is your favorite or uh, for whatever reason, uh, you've done a lot. What is something that uh, comes to your mind that that uh, you would like to share or do again or, or whatever? Sure. And if I could just very quick, there is something happening. We are doing oh, something yeah. this year, okay. but I could just plug that real plug quick. It. Yeah. And that is we've hooked up with the full spectrum and Neil... Uh, Oh yeah, uh, Laquia. Laquia, um, and <clears throat> we're doing something called the Great uh, uh, Green Sweep, right? And what it is is we are um, trying to uh, using employing our same kind of community volunteer model, um, organize thirty trash cleanups nationwide, starting on July twenty fourth, and then Hempfest is going to do our part of it on August twenty first, which is our normal weekend, and we're asking people to go out in their neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and and collect trash with a specific focus on uh, single-use plastics, which we know breaks down into microplastics and goes into Puget Sound and destroys the biosphere yeah. um, and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, we are going to have uh, a live stream associated with that on the 21st and 22nd. 
uh, a hemp fest cleanup in the morning, and then some panels, panel discussions and music. We've got like Jason Lammers. We're going to talk about cannabis packaging, which is a big pet peeve of mine, is the single-use plastics and cannabis packaging. Yeah. And and we're talking to Joy Beckerman about putting together a panel for hemp plastics, uh, oh. biodegradable hemp plastics like yeah. Sana, or Sana packaging. Yeah, story. Yeah. And, and we, had, we had them on our show before. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, man, if there's no biosphere, every other issue, you know, pot legalization won't matter. Yeah. If, we're, you know, we see the hellscape coming right now. I mean, it's happening right this moment. You know, those stuff are Germany's underwater, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, California's on fire, right? Uh, I mean, it's just starting. That's yeah. the, no pun intended, the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, um, this, this is though. Jason's dupe tube made of a hundred percent recycled material made in the U.S., so right. it's cheaper than what you would get in China, made locally, and it's from recycled materials. So, mm. and the cannabis industry, our culture is supposed to be better. Yeah, we're supposed to be better than the mainstream culture, man. We're supposed right. to be more, you know, well, for lack of a better yeah. word. So I want to answer your question, um, and 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 that's a hard question to answer. Um, but I want to say that the, the 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 with all the you know the politicians and the the, the celebrities and, and the cannabis people, I recently interviewed a woman in Georgia whose son has like he's got about twenty different illnesses. He was born a micropremie at birth, and he was like this big when he was born. And he's got an aggressive form of, along everything else that he has, he has an aggressive form of seizure disorder where the seizures are so bad that they could kill him, uh, right? Oh and, and, and I have interviewed on my show the parent of a child who needs of either, either epilepsy or Dravet syndrome, who needs cannabis oil. I've interviewed a parent in Ireland, New Zealand, uh, South Africa. England, uh, South America, uh, right? This is going on all over the world. Yeah. And it's the same story. The only thing that's different with their stories is the accents, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this woman yeah. is fighting to get her son cannabis oil in Georgia. Now, Georgia has a medical marijuana program, right? Um, you can get a medical marijuana card. There's nowhere to get the cannabis oh, from. It's yeah. worthless, right? And they don't allow smokable cannabis, right? Uh, anyway... Um, but there's also no, there's no access to anything, right? And, and, and her story is so dramatic. She literally has to have a baby monitor, right, in the child's room because he may die at any moment, yeah. right? She's got to be aware of him 24 hours a day, right? Um, and, the, the, and she's been condemned, you know, she's been in the media and stuff. And it's like, you know, oh, you just want to get your kid high and God's going to punish you. And, you know, you are, you know, you're a monster and a druggie. And she's had to put up with all this discrimination and all of this condemnation. Um, and all she's trying to do is keep her son alive. Right? Seriously. And there's, you know, and, and people going through this, you know, like Charlotte from Charlotte's Web, yeah. right? Who's the one that turned Sanjay Gupta around, right? And then eventually, tragically, COVID yeah. took her life, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but, 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 but I want to, I want to highlight that one interview because it demonstrates better than anything else that we're not done, you know, that we are, that we still have the heavy lifting to do days ago, Schumer, the Schumer bill, the Democrats came forth and presented a bill to actually end federal cannabis legalization. Yeah. Um, 
it's a mixed bag, of course, you know, paint canvas, you know, at 25% yeah. tax on top of the state tax. It's mm -hmm. like, what is this? The, the black market perpetuation bills, <laughs> right? GMP yeah. on all processors. <laughs> and, and, you know, federal regulations imposed on state regulations, right? Yeah. And um, then but I, I love, this is the thing that I love the book because we reviewed the federal one and it's cumbersome. It's a lot of regulations. Yeah. And then one of the facts that they find, and one of the basis for the law is to reduce the burden of the can of accessing the uh, the cannabis industry to you know lower the market entrance oh, yeah. so that mom and pop stores and social equity applicants can get in. And then you read all the regulations, and you're like, did they just put that in there to make themselves feel better? Yeah, you know. The, the, you know the good things it does is it does deschedule, de de yeah. right? Yep. And it and it does. Um, uh, 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 expunge uh, records. I know you got to end and stuff like that. And and the thing that that the last thing I want to say though on all of that is that the one thing I see the most encouraging to me, the new thing that's changed, is the social equity thing that the the states that have flipped so far lately, the last ones, which have been state legislatures, citizens initiatives, which is mm. another good sign. Yeah, they've been building, albeit inadequate, but they've been building in social equity components proactively. Yeah, that's new. You know that that's another front where progress could be, be being made. Another reason to be a little bit yeah. um, yeah, optimistic. Totally. <laughs> oh yeah, good place to end. Thank you so much for yes. talking to us. I mean, it, that's I get so many people asking about the the type of license that they can have, a consumption lounge, or have an event, and what type of permits do they need. And I'm like, hmm, I should talk to Vivian. Hempfest at hempfest.org if yeah. you want to find out about uh, our green sweep thing going on or or if you're just going to want to tap us uh, for a little uh, a little counsel on how to do it. Hempresent, where? Hmm? Where's Hempresent at? Hempresent, just, just Google Hempresent. It's like the word hemp and resent, even though we don't resent the hemp. <laughs> uh, hempresent, uh, just Google that, and, and or you can go to cannabisradio.com. Right on. All right. With that, we're going to roll this one up. Vivian McPeak, Hempfest. We also got Cannabis Legalization News, Mickey 420, Tom Howard. I'm Josh Kincaid with The Talking Hedge. We're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.